If you're a Christian coach, speaker, or influencer, this is the right place. You're listening to the Keep Writing Podcast, a resource for biblical encouragement, spirit-led wisdom, and practical ideas as you answer God's calling to increase your authority by becoming an author. I'm Mika Maples, and I can help you write your next book so that you can take your business to the next level while advancing the kingdom and transforming people in Jesus' name. This is episode 132, Give Yourself Margin When You Need It. Today's episode is a peek inside a coaching call from my exclusive coaching membership, Anointed Writers. If you've been wondering if God is mad at you for not writing the book He's placed on your heart, it may be because you've forgotten to give yourself margin for the real life that He's given you to live. I wanted everyone to know that for me, in the practice of writing, there are always breaks. So you you know that I recently, maybe you know, that I recently moved my apartment. So transitioning and moving, that takes priority. I'm not going to beat myself up for not writing for two weeks as I packed and now as I'm unpacking. Well, then what was the natural transition was it's time to get back into my schedule and the way I do things. But my mother had a health setback this weekend. Well, she's my priority. So writing takes a back seat right now. And I focused on her this weekend and today. And I've given myself the margin to do that because I firmly believe that God's timing is perfect, that he is in all the details of our lives, and that he's not going to say, well, Nika, you missed it. You, you, you missed it. You're not going to finish your book now because you took two or three weeks off. I mean, I might take two months off if that's what I choose to do to take care of not only the writing, but the one who is writing. And this self-care portion, I think we're learning more and more about that every day how important self-care is to be able to accomplish the things that, that we want to accomplish in our lives. So there's no room for guilt. I put out a podcast today. I released a podcast, the difference between conviction and guilt. And so guilt refers really to the past, things that you can't change. So guilt is very obviously from the enemy because it doesn't produce anything. Guilt comes, it feels terrible. It's all about the past. It's all about what I should have done. And you can't change it because it's in the past. So it produces nothing. Conviction is so similar. It's so similar in the way that it feels in your body and in your mind and in your heart. It's completely different because conviction is, is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it has to do with the future. It has to do with things you can change. Conviction never comes with a list of things that you can't change. It will always come with things that you can change. So I feel so excited when I feel conviction now. I used to feel defeated. Then that is the sure sign that it's guilt because guilt makes you feel defeated. But if you say, wait a second, what is the Holy Spirit saying to me about this situation? And the conviction always brings, you know, this is maybe what you did last time. How about we do this instead? 
as far as the future goes. Even if it's something as simple as a conversation, maybe a lot of you rehearse a conversation that you've had and say, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Why did I say that? Or I should have said this. Why, why didn't I say it? We On a Monday morning, we'll look back on yesterday, Sunday, and think, at church, I should have said this. I should have done that. And we rehearse conversations that we had and replay them, even though they cannot be changed. And a lot of times I find myself thinking, why did I say that about this situation? I was negative about it. Or I maybe shared too much about someone else. It was bordering on gossip. I don't want to do that. Why did I do that? Instead of saying, why did I do it? The, the convicted answer is the convicted question is, how can I do something different next time? But we waste our imaginative energy on things that we cannot change instead of using our imaginative energy on things we can change. So it's more helpful to picture if you don't want to gossip, since I'm using that as an example, because of course, that's an easy one that we could all fall into. And if we think instead, I, I shouldn't have said that about so-and-so. We instead, how can I talk differently the next time I'm, I'm in around this friend and use your imagination to picture a different kind of conversation with that person. That would be the Holy Spirit using conviction, but the enemy always, always, always provides a counterfeit to what to the to the real good thing that God is giving us. So we we keep expecting the enemy to show up in some kind of wild fashion. And he never shows up that way. He shows up repeating something very close to what God said. We see it in the Garden of Eden. He is repeating to Adam and Eve very close to what God said. If he said something wild that they'd never even heard before, they would have recognized that this is not good. This is not God. But when the enemy sneaks up and says something very close, that's when we're fooled by it. So with guilt and conviction, he knows the power of conviction. He's like, how can I counterfeit it? And he comes up and he gives a little snippet instead of guilt. And then it produces nothing good. So surrounding your writing, please feel no guilt. If you take a day off, if you take a week off, if you take a month off, feel no guilt. Recognize that the process of thinking is just as important. And that thinking is something you do while you wash dishes, while you're driving in the car. It doesn't look like writing at all, but it's still writing. A lot of people have breakthroughs about their book when they're going for a walk. And if does you have no way of typing when you're going on a walk, but that's when the breakthrough is happening. And, and I want to encourage you to recognize those moments as just as valuable and just as important to your writing project. So does anybody have any questions about their book in any way today? Anything you want coaching on? Anything you have a question about? If you want me to, if you want to ask me anything about your writing or your book, now's the time. I would love to take a question. Corey, what have you got? Good morning, everybody. Hi, Nika. Hi. Um, The question I had was, 
I, I guess about structure, but I wanted to say thank you first for what you just said about guilt and conviction, because that really helped me. Because oh, I good. feel as God's been nudging me or using a two by four, actually, you know, to write this book for maybe the last 10 years. And I haven't moved on it because I kept talking myself out of it. And now I feel like there's a sense of deadline, you know, like I really need to do this now. So that kind of made me feel very anxious. So thank you for what you shared today. My question is when I'm, so the book that I'm writing is, is kind of like a teaching memoir. And as I'm working out the lessons that I learned, I'm thinking it's, it feels easier to just write down, you know, almost it's not really quite didactic prose, but it's almost like easier to just dump all the lessons into little chapters. But then I think they won't come alive unless there are stories. So am I supposed to be thinking through the stories at the same time that I'm writing out the lessons or do I write out all the lessons first and then maybe revisit them and then inject stories in later? What would be a good way to approach this? What do you think is the right way to approach it for your book? What sense do you have? I've written down, well, for me personally, if if I'm at church, for example, and the pastor is just preaching about abstract concepts, inside me, I'm saying, tell me a story. <laughs> yeah, but, we connect yeah. to stories. Yeah, so so I know that the stories are important, but it feels like when I write the story, I feel as if I have to make the story come alive. And for me, that means injecting a lot of elements that are not just straightforward telling. I need to create the stage for showing, right? Instead of telling. And that feels longer and it feels like it feels like hours <laughs> to what write makes, a story. What makes so, what makes a story feel easy? Actually just speaking it out. Just speaking it out makes it feel easiest. But if I had to, you know, bring in the five senses, describe the room that it happened, what was I smelling at the time? What was the expression on the person's face? You know, how did she react? How did I feel on the inside? It makes it feel long and onerous. So sometimes I feel I just want to write down here are the life lessons, you know, here are the 10 points. And then, and then, I feel like, okay, it's done. I've dumped the stuff that I learned that I want other people to know about or to or to ponder. But then I'm thinking it won't be alive unless there are stories. So I'm thinking maybe I'll just inject the stories in later. I, okay. I don't know. So I hear you saying that you want stories because it makes it alive. Yeah. But you don't want the stories, writing of the stories to feel long. Yes. Right. So how can you have both? How can you have a book that feels alive and that is a pleasure to write? I was hoping you'd tell me, Nika. (laughs) You've got the answer because you know what? This is the most amazing thing. People come to me for answers, but you really should come to me for questions. Because when I ask you questions, it gets down to the heart of what you think. What I think about your book is not, is totally irrelevant. I'm going to pull and coach out your thoughts about it because what I think is right is pleasant is not what you think is pleasant. So I could give you all kinds of answers about how to make writing pleasant. And I, and I, in my course, I do give a lot of direct and practical advice. But in the end, I always direct you back 
to yourself because guess who lives in you? The Holy Spirit. The most dynamic power on earth. I can't compete. (laughs) And I know it. So when I direct you back to you, I'm not exalting the self. I'm exalting the Holy Spirit inside of you and saying, what is he saying to you about how he designed and created you? Because he, all of us are different. And that's so beautiful. It's the most gorgeous mosaic of human beings. And so I'm curious about how can you make a book come alive with stories and still have pleasure doing it? For you, what is the answer? I think maybe I think maybe to dictate the stories into something and then get it transcribed. That's probably one thing. Because when I hear myself tell the story, I think, wow, that's a really good story. I didn't know I had that in me. Yeah. So that, that might be one. And it and then it doesn't feel quite so arduous. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and then I think another one might be to just write down the, the main points, you know. And then see about injecting the stories in there later and actually give myself permission to enjoy crafting the story with all the five senses instead of thinking, I can't be bothered injecting all this sensory detail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I need to change my mindset. I, th- I really think I probably need to change my mindset Yeah. about you have, that. You have permission. I think one of the things really, that's why I, I brought up the difference between guilt and conviction is because there are just so many misconceptions around writing that there's only one way to do it and that you have to do it right, you know? And so I, I want to encourage you that you can make it right for you. And I'm not being wishy-washy or, or relative about it. I'm, I'm just saying that there's a lot of permission in the writing field that you can you can make it a pleasure for you and make it a joy and still incorporate the principles that are best practices or best principles for having a strong book because no one will deny no that a strong book usually has a story in it you know yeah more than one you were just saying that when you hear a sermon, you want your preacher to, oh, come on, tell me a story. Then when we leave and we have heard a story, we, we can retell it. That's and right. you want something that somebody can retell and share, you know, and, and convey the lessons that you've wanted them to convey. But I love your idea of dictation. Mm-hmm. That, that's totally possible. And it could be exactly, you know what, you, as an idea, you might, I don't know how you feel about even having somebody to tell it to. Like if you ask someone, will you let me tell you these stories? So that there's almost an even, and, and you record yourself telling them the stories. So there's almost a more natural quality to it. Because of course you'll be trying to replicate real conversation when you're just yeah. recording it all alone. That's one thing. But you you might even want to have somebody and say, hey, will you sit and let me tell you a couple of stories? 
and I'll record it. And then if you have questions, you can ask me questions because their questions will even make it richer because you'll see what you're not telling and like, oh, yeah, don't include it that way, you know. That's genius. Thank you so well, you much. Came, do you realize <laughs> you realize you came up with it? You're the one who said it. That dictating might be the answer for you. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> Anybody else have anything they want to contribute to Corey? If if you have any thoughts you'd like to to share with her about it as you've been listening, because you never know. Okay, so if not, can I just say? Yeah. I know this might sound really childish, but do you think God will get mad if I've ignored his nudges for so long? And it's like, I don't know. I, I think I, I battle with that, you know, like, oh God, I've ignored this nudge for like 10 years. Are you mad? And I know <laughs> it sounds childish, but like, I, re- I really want to get a handle on that. Yeah. Okay. Well, let, let, we always have to go back to the Bible and look at the precedent that has been set. So can you think of any stories in the Bible where someone ignored his nudges and then later followed through or... Can you think of anyone? Well, there well, well, there was a story where, you know, this, the elder son was asked by the father to go and work in the field. And and he said no, but then later on he did. And then the other son said yes, but then he didn't. So that right. was one. That's right. And, yeah. and who was the father pleased with? The one who the said one yes and didn't did. do it? The no, the one, one who, who actually did it. Right. Yeah. The one who said no, but then actually did it. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Can any of you think of any examples of maybe you can put it in the chat if you want to, or raise your hand if you have something to contribute. And let's say Moses. Moses is a good example. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying I don't have what it takes. I'm not your person. Jonah comes to mind. Oh, right. Of course. Yes. Yeah. So we have a lot yeah. of precedent and scripture of people. Even Gideon. Oh, Gideon, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. How are you going to do this? I'm the weakest in my clan. I'm in the weakest clan. All this. So there's really more precedent of people kind of shying away than there is of people saying, let's go. And about the timing aspect, I... I I'm glad you brought that back up because I had an idea of a story I wanted to share with you when you talked at the very beginning about God's been nudging me all this time and I've wasted time or you, you maybe didn't use the word wasted, but you're like, what, what about all this time? I have a friend who she felt, she felt a nudging from God to write a letter to a woman who had lost her son. And it was, she felt so, and it was a long letter that she felt nudged to write. And she said, I don't know. I just feel awkward to write this long letter to her. I don't actually know her. I don't, how do I, do I just send it? She felt the Lord saying like, deliver it to her house with a little gift. And she said, oh my goodness. And the reason she told me about it, and this is a friend of mine, not a stranger, but the reason she told me about it is because the Lord was nudging her to give her one of my books, Hunting Hope, and then write this long letter. And she felt like she was supposed to put it on the lady's doorstep, but she didn't know her. And she was like, oh, I just 
I I can't think of what to say. I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm afraid I'm going to be trite about having lost this son. I don't know. Is it too many years past the loss of the son? She wrestled and wrestled and kind of was saying no to God every day (laughs) in a way. Months passed, three months. And every single day it was like, she felt like I'm supposed to give this woman, this gift of a book plus a long letter. And every day she was like, oh, maybe tomorrow. She procrastinated for three months. Finally, she's a school teacher. So on this holiday, it was Memorial Day. She finally just like put the book. She wrote the letter. She put the book on the lady's doorstep, walked away. She even included something in the letter like, you may think this is stupid or trite. I'm so sorry. Just disregard it if it has no meaning for you. The woman ended up finding her phone number and calling her and saying, how could you have known that today, this day was a special anniversary for our family? This day, and you put something on my porch this day. And I was in tears because I felt so forgotten and unseen. And I was, and you gave me a gift on my doorstep. I opened the door and there it was. I felt so heard and seen by God that he would mark this day. And my friend was like, are you kidding? (laughs) I've been putting this off for three months. And she said, Nika, I have to tell you that story. That God's timing was perfect. He knew how far in advance he had to start prompting me in order for me to get that to her doorstep at the exact right time. And I was like, wow, I've never thought of it that way before. That, That he might know us so intimately that maybe a different person he... He could have said, hey, I want you to go give her this gift in this letter tomorrow. And that person would have done it right right on time. Well, he would have only prompted the day before because he knows how quickly they would have acted. But with my friend, he started three months early. Amazing. And she wasn't late. She wasn't late. <sighs> and she didn't miss it. In fact, it was more than she, than she bargained for. Because of the way it hit the target of the woman's heart. She couldn't have planned it. She couldn't have seen it. She couldn't have known it. That's why I always say, you collect the dots and God will connect the dots. I also always say, you're responsible for the obedience. God is responsible for the outcome. So she couldn't have known the outcome. She couldn't have connected the dots because she didn't know that that particular day was a special anniversary for their family, but God knew and he connected the dots. So I want to encourage you to say all of you, all of you, because it's very common for people to feel like I've ignored this for too long. And I just want to say, I had 15 dark years between when I wrote my first manuscript and when it was published, 15 years, it sat in a drawer, 15. I finished it when I was 22 and I published it when I was 37 and the whole time I had to rewrite it before I published it. So it's not the exact one, but the, it's the first draft sat there collecting dust and possibly 
black mold <laughs> in a drawer for 15 years as I just sat on it. And it was not late. It was not late. God knew, well, if I'm going to get Nika to do this, I'm going to have to start 15 years early <laughs> in order for her to be on time with this. And he knows you so intimately, everyone, that he knows the plan of the prompting. All of it is accounted for in his time. All of it is accounted for in his time. And so I, I want that to be an encouragement to you is, is as you feel like, is he mad? Is he disappointed? Go back to scripture and see. It actually says about Moses, Angela brought up Moses. It actually says that God was mad, but Moses didn't lose a single bit of his calling. He still was sent. He didn't lose a single bit of his power. He he was fully sent, fully empowered. I think when God gets mad, he gets mad at the devil a lot of times. He's mad that the devil had so infiltrated the conversation that he was having with Moses. He was mad that the devil had so interrupted the conversation that he was having with Moses that Moses was listening to the devil instead. Oh, I'm not a good speaker. Oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not the one for you on this, on this task. And so I think to worry about whether, about God's reaction, we can just trust that he's a loving father. And any of us who have had a parent that has been mad, that parent is mad momentarily. And it's always motivated by love. Always. Are you subscribed to my YouTube channel yet? I love creating weekly lessons that will bring value and insight to you about your writing, publishing, and book marketing journey. When you listen to my podcast, you learn through your ears. But when you watch my YouTube channel, you learn through your eyes and ears, making double the impact in half the time. See you over on YouTube.